As Russia attacks Ukraine, can India continue to walk the balance? Hello and welcome to Worldview at the Hindu with me, Sohasini Heather, where we are going to look at the evolving situation in this episode number 51. Dialogue is the only answer to settling differences and disputes, however daunting that may appear at this moment. It is a matter of regret that the path of diplomacy was given up. We must return to it. For all these reasons, India has chosen to abstain on this resolution. Now, two months after the US first warned the world that Russia was planning to invade Ukraine, many thought they were crying wolf. And after weeks of actually denying he had any plans to do so, Russian President Vladimir Putin did declare a military operation on Ukraine, one which could change the course of the world or simply end up repeating history. And we'll tell you why in just a bit. But first, here's the sequence of events that played out dramatically over the week. For the past month, Russia has sent close to 150,000 to 200,000 soldiers to its border with Ukraine, which is, of course, uh, to the east of Ukraine. Then another 30,000 troops were sent to Belarus to the north of Ukraine for military exercises in February. And this was something that the US and the European Union said was a precursor to the invasion. Uh, Russia, of course, also has troops stationed to the south in Crimea. And then on February 21st, President Putin announced that he was recognizing two states or regions or oblasts, as they're called, of eastern Ukraine, called Donetsk and Luhansk, in what is known as the Donbass region over there. Under the previous Minsk agreement that had been negotiated up till 2015, these oblasts had actually been provided full autonomy and given a special status. But Russia's grievance was that Ukraine had never implemented that. Next, Putin said he would send in Russian peacekeepers, another word really for troops on the ground to the areas, in order, he said, to protect people in these areas from attacks by Kiev. He said he was going to look for the demilitarization, the denazification of these areas in Ukraine that border Russia. And then on February 24th, Putin announced the military operations, which included airstrikes on several Ukrainian cities across the map, especially targeting Ukrainian military facilities, air bases, and other bases uh, they had. According to Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky, 140 military and civilian Ukrainians were killed just in the first day of Russian strikes. But the Ukrainian army does say it is fighting back. War has begun. As thousands of civilians are fleeing cities and running to bunkers and bomb shelters, India has launched an operation to try and help evacuate its citizens as well. Uh, about 18 to 20,000 in all remain in Ukraine. A few flights did bring them out. But after air routes were closed, the government says it is making arrangements to bring them over land now to Poland, uh, Romania, Hungary and the Slovak Republic and then fly them home to India. They say this is the topmost priority of the Modi government. At the end of the week, the United Nations Security Council held a vote on a resolution brought about by US and dozens of UN members that sought to condemn Russia's actions and called for an immediate withdrawal of troops. But this was predictably vetoed by Russia, even though it didn't contain any strong language or, for example, the use of Chapter 7, which authorizes force against Russia. None of this was inside that resolution. India, China and the UAE all abstained from it, while the other 11 UNSC members voted for it. 
The U.S. says it will continue to raise the issue next in the U.N. General Assembly. So what does Putin and the Russian government say they want with this kind of an aggression, with this kind of a conflagration that we're seeing? The first they say is they want to end what they call discrimination against Russian-speaking Ukrainians who are living in the east of Ukraine. Uh, Russia claims they are being targeted in the Ukrainian Republic. In July 2021, in fact, Putin wrote an essay entitled On the Historical Unity of Russians and Ukrainians, which explained his vision of their common past and what he sees as the future. This is definitely a must read. It's on the Kremlin website. Uh, Russia also says, more importantly, it wants security guarantees from NATO countries, the US and European countries, that they will stop the group's expansion eastward. Specifically, Russia says it is reacting to Zelensky's own announcement that Ukraine could join the NATO Defense Alliance, which of course Russia says is pointed towards itself. Uh, they want guarantees that weapons and missiles aimed at Russia would not be deployed by NATO in Russia's neighboring countries, in its neighborhood. And it wants actually that Ukraine would declare itself as a neutral country, modeled perhaps on the Finnish declaration of neutrality in the 1950s. Many have even said over time that this kind of a declaration uh, a non-NATO status for Ukraine could have even staved off this war. As we discussed in Worldview, number 48, Russia has long felt that Western countries took advantage of the post-Soviet collapse and enlisted in five rounds about 14 other neighbors and former Soviet states into NATO since 1997, which Russia says was breaking an agreement or a founding pact that they had signed. Now, here's the response that has already come from the US and its NATO allies, UK, European countries, um, have all announced uh, that they are putting together a massive package of sanctions. They've already announced banning of several more banks, putting sanctions on Russian lawmakers, putting sanctions on people in Putin's circle, stopping all exports from Russia, freezing Russian assets in their country. Uh, US President Biden actually put it quite succinctly. He said they had a threefold aim from this point on. So a very, very strict uh, regime of sanctions. One, to limit Russia's ability to be part of the global economy at all. Really adding Russia to countries like Iran and North Korea that have been taken out of the global economy uh, to stop their ability to finance the Russian military, to stop funding for the Russian government. And third, to impair Russian ability to access technology, President Biden said, in the 21st century economy. However, while the US and the EU say these measures are unprecedented, they've never had to react like this, the fact is that they have announced sanctions in the past as well, many other such measures. In fact, Russia's actions on Donetsk and Luhansk uh, are not definitely new. They also fully mirror its past actions under the Putin presidency, driven by a sense, as I said, of grievance about broken promises and the NATO threat to Russian security, as well as clearly what is President Putin's desire to restore Russia to some of its old Soviet glory, and even pre-Soviet, actually. In August 2008, for example, Putin sent troops into the Georgian enclaves of South Ossetia and Abkhazia after Georgia sent troops to try and get them under control. The Russo-Georgian war, as it was known, lasted just a few days, and Russia now treats those two enclaves as independent states. In March 2014, then, and this many of you will remember, after a referendum in the southern Ukrainian enclave of Crimea, which voted for reunification with Russia, Putin actually sent troops in to annex Crimea, uh, even drove over the uh, bridge himself. All hostilities were then seized and status quo frozen, especially until those issues over Donetsk and Luhansk to the east were resolved, according to the Minsk agreement. But that never happened. 
And now in February 2022, eight years later, Putin is repeating those very actions. On each occasion, let's just tell you, the United Nations has criticized Russia, refused to recognize the change in borders. But eventually, Russia is, of course, a permanent member of the UN Security Council and has vetoed any actions against it. After the Crimean actions, then, the G8 countries, the most developed nations of the world, actually expelled Russia from the grouping, and now they are called the G7. So what are, in all of this, India's stakes? Uh, remember, officially, the Foreign Secretary has said that India is involved in the U Ukraine situation because of three basic reasons. One is it is a member of the UN Security Council. This year, it's a non-permanent member for two years. Unlike the last time with Crimea, for example, uh, when it did not have to take a stand at the UN Security Council because it was not uh, a member at the time. Uh, the second is a, it's a country with major economic stakes in the region, trade, pharma exports, defense parts imports, all from Ukraine itself, not to mention Russia. And of course, there are about 18,000 Indian medical and engineering students based there, uh, 2,000 citizens or so working in Ukraine, and these are all very important for India. But behind the scenes, there is much more that makes New Delhi's balance of relations very difficult. And we've seen a flurry of phone calls coming particularly from Western countries telling India it must change its stand of support. Of course, on one side, India and Russia have a deep historical relationship. India is dependent on Russian military hardware in particular for parts, technology for the foreseeable future, over 70% of it. The standoff with Russia could see India being sanctioned now by the United States and other countries if it continues with the S-400 missile system deal, for example, which is already underway. But this could also extend to future defense purchases. So it's very important for India uh, to try and find this balance somewhere. The third reason is really that further sanctions could also affect India's other trade with Russia, plans to expand energy deals. For example, Prime Minister Modi has visited Russia a few times, President Putin has been here, they have their annual summit, and of course, many, many promises have been made for investment. So what happens to all of those? Now, the other real worry for India is that pressure from the West on Russia, as it has done in the past, will just move Moscow closer to India's adversaries which are China and Pakistan. And that was seen this week in that meeting between uh, Prime Minister Imran Khan of Pakistan in Moscow to meet President Putin, the first foreign leader really to meet him after those uh, strikes were ordered. Um, after Crimea in 2014, for example, China had come very close to Russia because it had bailed out Russia from crippling sanctions by signing a $400 billion gas deal uh, with Moscow just at that time. And now, of course, you see that they have a no-limits partnership. Fifth, the tussle between Russia and the West really takes away the focus from India's primary concerns. And what are those concerns? In, the, in its own neighborhood with China and the Indo-Pacific policy. As External Affairs Minister Jai Shankar visited Germany and France this week, uh, it was evident he attended panels and even a conference on the Indo-Pacific, but each of them was really overshadowed with events in the Ukraine. So the focus has moved away from countering China's actions now firmly to Russia. But of course, on the other side, not voting with the West to condemn Russia uh, just alienates the Modi government from Western capitals, just as it is seeking to strengthen ties with the US, UK and the EU. This becomes then the big problem uh, for New Delhi. And it won't be just about one UN security vote, but it will be about New Delhi's posture 
in the future that will be watched very closely both in Moscow as well as in the Western capitals from Washington to London and Brussels and Paris. Clearly, despite its distance from the war zone, India cannot disengage from the conflict in Ukraine. And here on Worldview, we'll continue to get you the latest on those developments. We gave you some book recommendations in episode 48, but we're going to give you some more in case you've already read all of those. Uh, the first is the Ukraine crisis, Ukraine and Russia's civil divorce and uncivil war. This is by Alexander Danieri, and it's not out, actually out this yet, uh, just yet, but it is out this month. It promises to be a very timely account. Uh, and remember, there is a historical arc to everything that you are seeing play out. Uh, two books by Timothy Snyder, uh, I think I've recommended On Tyranny in the past, 20 Lessons from the 20th Century. But this one from 2019 is more pertinent to this issue, The Road to Unfreedom, Russia, Europe, uh, America. Uh, for those interested much more in the historical past and the political history, really, of the two countries, a little war that shook the world, Georgia, Russia, and the future of the West by Ronald Asmus, uh, is uh, very good because it tells you about that 2008 situation, which everyone seems to have forgotten for the moment, uh, as is also, of course, Lost Kingdom, the history of Russian nationalism from Ivan the Great to Vladimir Putin by Ukrainian uh, studies professor, leading authority really on the region, Sarhei Ploki. Uh, I recommended last time uh, The Last Empire, The Final Days of the Soviet Union, which really tells you much more uh, about Russia's present grievances and how it feels about what happened there. Uh, two big books on Putin as well, uh, one a more general one and one is called The Strongman. If you haven't read it yet, Vladimir Putin and the Struggle for Russia. Uh, this is by Angus Roxborough. He was a former BBC reporter, also an advisor to the Russian government in 2006. So he has a very unique perspective uh, and has reported and uh, written an earlier book on reporting from Russia as well. And there's another one that comes out later this year, which I'm really looking forward to. So you will hear more about this book. I haven't read it yet. Called The Age of the Strongman, How the Cult of the Leader Threatens Democracy Around the World. And this is by Gideon Rachman, uh, the very famous commentator. Um, so that is all we have for you here on Worldview. But do join us again. And please do keep writing in. Your comments mean a lot from the team here. Thanks for watching.